Uh, Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. Honor your father and mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. And then flipping ahead to Ephesians 6, 1 through 4. I told you this pause was going to be awkward. So I'll just name it, speak it into existence. All right, here we go. Ephesians 6, 1 through 4. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with the promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of the Lord will stand forever. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you that you've given it to us, that we can understand it and know it, uh, Lord. And I pray that as we um, take our time to look at it tonight, uh, that you would be faithful to us, that you would show us uh, through your spirit uh, what these passages mean. Help me to explain them faithfully. And Lord, I pray that you will uh, be at work. And Lord, yet again, I ask tonight that you would uh, strike a straight blow with the crooked stick. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so as we get started, as I've tried to do, um, as I've tried to do every week, uh, is give credit where it's due. So I'm very thankful uh, this week for sermons that my friends uh, Mike Ford and then uh, Tanner Crum uh, preach on these passages. Um, so, um, so some of y'all, some of y'all know, maybe all of you know. I don't know. Um, I, I myself am a parent now. Uh, this is a, a relatively new stage of life. Uh, it has, it has happened to me within the last four years. Um, so pretty crazy, but parenting is, parenting is insane. Like it's the craziest thing that anybody has ever thought up. Uh, because like when I was a kid, my parents were just like, Hey, there's a ditch down the street, go play in that. And when the street lights come on, come home. Like it was super easy. And it was like, you know, if there's something rusty, don't touch it. If creepy people offer you stuff, don't take it. And come home with the street, like, like it was easy. And now it's like, now there's all these like mommy blogs and like Instagram pages. It's like, you have to like, you have to raise your kids vegan or like gluten-free or like dairy-free or like you have to monitor their screen time or um, like they can't, like, like they can't be exposed to sunlight or they have to be exposed to enough sunlight. It's just, it's the most confusing thing in the world. It's absolutely, it is absolutely insane. It is very complicated. It's very complicated on both of our ends uh, because... Uh, if you remember a couple of weeks ago when we talked about dating, um, we talked about how dating is a relationship that's designed to change, right? Even a successful dating relationship ends. It ends in marriage, right? Um, and, so, and so in that sense, your relationship with your parents is kind of like dating. It's a weird thing to say, but it is because it's designed to change. Your parents' job is to work themselves out of that job and to turn you loose. But uh, it's not like dating because first, that's weird. Uh, and second, your, your connection with your parents never ends, right? Even when they, even if they, if, if parenting goes super well and they raise you and they send you out into the world on great terms, like obviously that, that doesn't end there. Um, but even if you go like, you know, full, like Britney Spears, like get emancipated, like whatever, uh, you still can't shake the, the blood bond that you have. Like, like it just doesn't go away. Um, and I think about, uh, one of the, one of the things that I, that I always think about. And I, 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 there were, there were two things that when I was doing like research for this today, that was like sitting in the Creek 
because I mentioned to y'all that I needed reliable internet. So I was not on campus as I normally am. Um, there, there, there were two clips of things that I watched. One, um, and this is one of the most, uh, one of the most powerful scenes in like TV history. Uh, and it is from the, uh, the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, which was uh, Will Smith's breakout role. Um, and it's in, the, it's in the episode called Papa's Got a Brand New Excuse. I would highly recommend you going home and watching this. I would recommend you doing it alone because you will cry. Um, because I did. Um, and, and, the, and, the, and the story is this, is that, is that, is that you know, uh, Will Smith in the show, um, he gets sent to California to live with his aunt and uncle. Uh, and his dad has been out of his life for 14 years. And his dad, his dad, whose name is Lou, shows up and... Like he's all like buddy buddy with Will and they're getting along and Uncle Phil's like, no, he's a terrible person. He hasn't changed. And Will's like, you're just being hard on him. You know, and, and they kind of go back and forth and, and Will's like really, really like connecting with his dad. And then uh, Will's dad tells Uncle Phil and Aunt Vivian that, he, that he's about to leave again. And, they, and he asks if Phil and Vivian will tell Will for him. And they're like, no, we're not, gonna, we're not gonna bail you out. Like you've gotta at least, at least do this. And... Um, and so Lou tries to leave before, before Will sees him. He's going to call him from the road. And, uh, and Will walks in. He's like, oh, what's up, Dad? You ready to go? And, and his dad's like, actually, I've, I've got to leave. And, uh, and, he, and he tries to explain it. And he's like, Will, it was good to see you. And, and, and Will looks at him. He says, you too. And he pauses. He says, you too, Lou. Like he specifically calls him by his name as if to say, like, you're not my father anymore. You're dead to me. And then this the the just the pain like painfully brilliant scene and this is really like this is the moment that people looked at will smith it was like oh this guy's actually like a legit like phenomenal actor it's incredible um but the scene ends like like will just unloads on uncle phil just all the all the ways his dad has failed him and will crying in tears he he at the end of the scene he asks his uncle he says how come he don't want me man and it's still like, it still hits so hard. And all, all the actors involved, like they talk specifically about this scene of like being a life-changing thing for them to have worked through. But I tell you that because we all, to some degree, understand that our parents have the power to shape us, to encourage us, to heal us, to hurt us, to destroy us in ways that nobody else does. Nothing else does this. It shapes us in so many different ways. And so I want to acknowledge up front as we start to look at this that I know that we all come from different backgrounds. Some of us have families that we would look at and say, our families are great. And our, our parents are still married and they've been married for a long time and they love Jesus and they've raised us with that. Some of us go so far to the other spectrum, we've never even met one of our parents. And wherever you fall in between those two things, I want you to know there is grace and there is mercy and there is healing that is offered in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. So I know there's all kinds of um, possibility for, uh, for shame and hurt and different things like that to come out. So uh, hear me when I say that this is a safe place and the gospel offers healing from that. So I want us to consider a few things tonight. The first thing is we're going to look at the role of parents. We're going to look at the role of children we're going to look at some practical thoughts for how we make those things work out. And then we're going to look at how we do it. So no one tell my preaching professors that I'm doing a four point sermon and not a three point sermon. Sorry, that's a joke. Only people with seminary have been to get that sense. It didn't make sense. So 
The role of parents. In Ephesians 6, there's a negative command and a positive command. Okay? Paul tells his readers, don't provoke your children to anger. And then he tells them to bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. And the goal is simple. That I will have a sense of success with my children if they grow up, leave home with a sense of self and deep understanding of who they are and who God is, and they contribute to society and have a flourishing relationship with God and their fellow man. Simple, right? Easiest thing in the world. No, not at all. Um, But most of us, as complicated as this is, come from families who want that for you. Regardless of what your family like kind of looks like in actuality, And regardless of the job that your parents did, because they might have done a terrible job, the truth is they didn't do it because they hated you. They didn't do it because they wanted to hurt you. They did the best with what they had. And there's no such thing as a perfect parent. But again, I do believe that most parents are doing the best they can with what they have. And so even if if you're a situation like maybe maybe you're a believer and your parents aren't, um, they still desperately want a better life for you than the one that they had. So I think that's, that's kind of a, a baseline assumption. And again, I know there are exceptions. And unfortunately, with the time that we have and the scope of what we're doing, we don't have time to get into all of that. But that's the basic, the basic gist of it. Um, and I don't, know if, uh, I don't know if my friend Tanner, I don't know if he wrote this or if he was quoting it, um, but he wrote this, that that's what this whole parenting thing is about. Listen, when your parents tell you that you should major in engineering and not the history and philosophy of film, it is not because they give a rip about engineering, even if that is their work. It's because they want you to be a stable adult. Like you think the issue is about your freedom and they just don't want you to end up on their couch at age 30, okay? Honestly, if you figured out how to make an art history degree actually work for a career that allowed you to have a healthy marriage and flourishing friendships and you eventually give them grandchildren, you will never, they will never again care about engineering. Seriously, grandchildren cover a multitude of sins. We've lived that out in some ways. And I, like, I, I saw that kind of flushed out in my own life. When I was a senior in high school, my school offered a couple of electives. Uh, one of them was financial management, which was great. And the other one was a filmmaking class. I wanted to take the filmmaking class because that sounded fun. And my parents wanted me to take financial management because they thought it sounded practical and they made me take financial management. And looking back, I'm like, yeah, that was the right thing to do. (laughs) Like it it, it wasn't because they were so passionate about like, you know, they were just like, don't make the same mistakes that we made. You know, don't spend the first half of your marriage getting out of debt, um, which we did not do that particularly well, but whatever. Um, Filmmaking still would have been more fun, but but it was was definitely a thing of, of just seeing seeing that, that practicality. Look, the goal of parenting is to move from dependence to independence, right? Like at one point when Judson and, and Ford were both newborns, the goal was just keep them alive. Like just make sure that when they go to bed at night, they are still breathing. And if they're doing that, that's a successful day. And that's like the first like six to eight months of their lives. Just keep them breathing. It's all good. Like you're fine. But as they get older, they become more difficult, right? So questions like, how do we, how do we teach them to sleep through the night? How do, they, how do we potty train them? How do, how do we teach them to communicate that I'm hungry 
And that just like laying in their bed screaming is not the way that you handle that situation, even if laying in our bed screaming is what we as adults still want to do. How do, we, how do they communicate something hurts? It goes so on and so forth. Instruct and discipline. Like those, those are the roles of a parent. And when you're a kid, you don't always get this, right? Because Judson, Judson doesn't understand why I have to leave the house to go to work every day. Uh, he doesn't understand why he doesn't get to eat candy every day, like all the time. And if you've seen him around, like you understand why he doesn't get to eat candy every day because he's psychotic oh and it would ruin his teeth and his grandfather's a dentist. And so we would also get in trouble. Um, there's a whole bunch of things, right? That we, we know things that he doesn't know that we have to be, be parents for. And that's difficult. We have to instruct him in discipline, but we know that we live in a fallen world that like everything that's happened in human history has happened after Genesis three. And so just as much as Judson is a sinner, Leah and I are sinners. And so we mess this up all the time too. And so that's why Paul has to warn us as parents to not provoke our children to anger. And there's a really, um, a really tragic story that illustrates this, uh, and the way I introduce the story is probably going to make you laugh, but this is very sad. So uh, y'all know me. Y'all know that I still love professional wrestling. Um, it is amazing. Uh, and of professional wrestlers, Ric Flair is arguably the greatest. Even if you don't know anything about wrestling, like you've seen Ric Flair in something. Like he's a kind of, kind of guy that, that, that transcends uh, just what he does. And so um, Ric Flair ha- has this reputation for living a, a glamorous life. He's made lots of money. He partied hard. He's been married a bunch of times and has a bunch more beautiful women that, that love him. Um, and, and he had a son. He, 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 I think all three of his children ended up as professional wrestlers, but, uh, his son Reed uh, was a wrestler and Rick and Reed, they partied together a lot. Um, that, that, that was the, the, the way they, they related to each other. And, uh, Reed actually overdosed on heroin at 25 and died. And on, uh, there was a, there's a 30 for 30 about Ric Flair um, and the, uh, 30 for 30 is like an ESPN documentary series. They're really good. Like, even if you don't like sports, they're really powerful stories. Um, but, uh, the interviewer asked Ric Flair, he said, what would you say to Reed if you could say, if you could say, talk to him one more time. And Ric Flair said, well, I say it every day. God, I had so much fun with you. And I regret the fact that sometimes I was your best friend instead of your dad. And um, y'all remember our speaker last year from Beach Week, Elliot, like he and I, we actually watched that together. Like I think right after, right after Judson was born and we were just like sitting on the couch, like crying together. It was like, no one can ever speak of this. And now I've broadcast it to the world that that happened. But, um, but that, that's what it's about, right? That Reed Flair did not need the nature boy to be his buddy. He needed Ric Flair to be his father. And you see the tragic results of what happens when parents neglect that responsibility. And some of you undoubtedly have felt the pain of that. So the responsibility of parents, and this is kind of summing up what we just said, the responsibility of parents is to nourish and instruct children so that they can grow up, leave home with a sense of self and deep understanding of who they are, and who God is, and they contribute to society and have a flourishing relationship with God and their fellow man. That's like, if you ask me, what do I want for my boys in their life? It is that. We're all trying to do this. Most parents are trying to do this, but all of us are sinners and we all screw it up. So that's the first thing. That's the role of parents. The role of children. What is your responsibility as a child? Um, Cause I don't, I don't think any of y'all are parents yet. 
Um, In verses 1 through 3, Paul writes, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with the promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. And when Paul Paul addresses children, he's addressing um, just the general idea of like non-adults. And this is kind of where it's complicated for y'all, right? Because um, like like when Paul was writing this and basically up until fairly recent history, like by the time you were 12, they were like, oh, you're 12, go make a living. Like we expect you to be married in six months. And by the time you're 14 to have a family of like 12, um, at least I think that's the plot of little house on the prairie. But, um, but that, but that was kind of how, that was kind of how it worked. Right. And then, and then as, as technology advanced and culture advanced and these kinds of things that all of a sudden you needed more schooling and more training and and now, now, like, you don't even feel like you're an adult until you're, like, 35 and, like, out of grad school. And now I realize I'm describing myself, and that's terrifying. But um, it's, it, like, it's hard to know, like, at what point are you, like, a child but also, like, not anymore. And it's confusing, right? Because even, even if you're here in college – there's a good chance, um, it's not guaranteed, it's not everybody, but there's a good chance that your parents are still helping you out in some way. Uh, they're helping you pay for school, they're paying your insurance, like whatever, they're helping you out. Um, and so it's hard to know like exactly what is my role now. And look, there is a season in life where uh, unquestioned obedience is what you're called to do, right? Like there are not a ton of things that Judson gets an immediate spanking for, but if he hits Leah, or if he lets go of my hand and runs away in a parking lot, he gets spanked immediately. No question. No question asked at all. Why? Well, because hitting your mom is bad and also getting hit by a car is bad, right? It's, it's, it's very simple. The stove is hot and Judson does not know the stove is hot. Actually, it's more of a, it's, this, this situation is more of Ford not knowing the stove is hot. That's very targeted uh, use of words, by the way. Uh, Jackson and I looked at themselves for a reason. Um, but he doesn't understand it's hot, and so when he reaches for it, you have to slap his hand away. Like, seriously, every time we open the oven, Ford is like, oh, what's in there? And it's like, no, child. Like, you throw him across the room. Um, it's hard because that's for his good, but he doesn't understand. He doesn't understand that it's going to burn him badly. He doesn't understand that getting hit by a car does not end well. There comes a point, and this did in my life, where, where he's probably going to look at me and say, Dad, I hear you and I understand you, but I'm going to take my life in a different direction. And that's going to be a hard conversation. And I have to trust that he's done what he can do. And, and actually, that played out in a really, um, I think, in a really beautiful uh, way in my own life. That when I was, when I was growing up, my, uh, my parents really didn't, my parents didn't really push a lot of decisions on me. They kind of let me decide what I wanted. But uh, when, I was, when I was going to college, I was considering where I was going to college, they really, really wanted me to go to Mississippi College, which is like Carson Newman, but twice in size and like 45 minutes from my house. So y'all that are from like Knoxville, like it would be kind of like, like that. And they really wanted me to go to MC. That's where my dad went to school. That's where I actually ended up doing my REF internship. Um, but uh, he really pushed me to go there. And, and, and I, I just remember sitting down with him and saying, look, I understand that like MC is a great school. There's a lot of benefits to it. But I really think like I really think I'm going to Ole Miss. And uh, and several years later, um, my dad came to me and he said, hey, 
Uh, I remember those conversations we had and I just wanted to tell you like, I was wrong for trying to push you there. And I'm really proud of who you turned out to be because, because of Ole Miss. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't be here if I didn't go to Ole Miss and two guys went to high school with were like, hey, come to RUF. And I was like, what's RUF? And they were like, just shut up and come to RUF. Like literally, like that's how it happened. It was a huge moment for me and my dad though, right? But the call, the call, the commandment here, the calling here is for children to honor their father and mother, right? Notice Paul does not say that it's to respect your father and mother. It's not to love your father and mother. It's not to obey your father and mother. It's to honor them. And uh, people that are smarter than me have pointed out that the word to honor in the commandment comes from the Hebrew word chavad, which means to give weight to. And it's the same word that Isaiah uses when Isaiah sees the glory of the Lord filling the temple. And Isaiah sees it and he's drawn to it. And, and, And this word means to give weight to, to give the proper attention to. And so what I think this is saying is because of the position that your parents have in your life, no matter how well or how poorly they've raised you, their place in life, their weightiness for you comes from God. Again, that's independent of how good or bad of a job they did. They hold a position in your life. And so there comes a point where obedience is not what you're called to. Because the only relationship in your life that entails unquestioned absolute obedience is to God. And your parents aren't God. And you actually honor your parents by looking at them and saying, you're not God. And maybe you don't have to say that aggressively. Maybe they sort of understand that. But maybe, maybe you say that and it ends up in a huge fight. Um, but there, there are two, two things that happened to us that kind of, um, that kind of like reinforce this. Is like when, when I turned 18, went to college, my uncle, uh, my uncle's a pastor. And my dad was kind of, um, my dad wasn't freaking out. But he was, you know, it was like I was the first one to leave the house. Like it was weird. And my, uh, my uncle told him, was like, look, you, like, he was home for 18 years. You did your job, and now it's up to him. And, and, and that, kind of, um, that kind of came back around um, la- last year in the middle of COVID. Uh, Judson and Ford just kind of perpetually had runny noses. And um, Leah wanted to get them tested. And I was like, I cannot imagine trying to stick a Q-tip up either one of these children's noses. I don't want to get them tested. And so uh, my dad, who's a pediatrician, we, uh, we asked him, we're like, if he, was, if he was your patient, if Judson was your patient, like, regardless of being your grandson, like, what would you do? And he, and he said, well, you know, he said, said a couple things. And um, I, think, I think he ultimately did say, like, he would not recommend getting them tested. But we got the information that we needed. And then Leah and I went and talked about it because – my dad does not have the authority to tell us what to do. He has the authority to give us advice and to give us input. He has the medical expertise. But that, that's the thing. There becomes a point in your life where your parents give you advice and you get to decide whether you take it or not. And that's important. It's actually really important because if there's one, like, like the biggest question that's come up among being here with y'all for the last three years is this question of what in the world do I do about my parents? Like, we didn't even really talk about dating all that much before this semester, and I feel like I just poked that bear and started it. But, um, but, ser- but seriously, that question has come back over and over and over again. What do I do with my parents? How do I relate to them? How do I get them to understand? So to sum this up, your parents' responsibility to you is to instruct and nourish you. 
your responsibility to your parents is to honor them, which means to give the place in your life the weight and consideration it deserves. So here is another list of practical thoughts of how we do this. And number one on the list of practical things to do with your parents to help honor them and understand their role and things like that. Number one is to forgive them. Forgive your parents. Um, I, I mentioned a minute ago, my dad's a pediatrician and, uh, one of his patients saw him outside of work and said, uh, Oh, Dr. Roland, this is crazy. I've never seen you with your clothes on. And it was hilarious because what a weird thing to say. Right. But what she meant was I'm so used to seeing you in your office with your lab coat on that. I forgot you're an actual human being, right? That you have a life outside the walls of the clinic. Do you remember how weird it was the first time when you were in like elementary school and you saw one of your teachers outside of school, you were like, the, like this happened. To, we saw one of Judson's uh, like children's day out teachers, like at Walmart and Judson, like he was like, and she was like, Hey Judson, how are you? And he just, she's like, you don't, you don't live here. Like it's weird, right? Because you forget that you only see your parents like in their relationship to you that you forget that like they're people like with friends and lives and hobbies and different things like that. And so that means that your parents are human and it means that they tried their best and yeah, they did some things right. And yeah, they did some things terribly. And so part of, part of honoring your parents is forgiving them. And it's actually very freeing because as you forgive your parents, you begin to come to terms with the fact that they're not God. Think about that. You, you might not think that you see them as God, but the, but the weight, the internal control that they have over you is very unhealthy. You honor them by putting them in their proper place. And that's how we honor the first commandment of having no other gods before God is by not putting our parents in that position. That not forgiving our parents leads to some really unhealthy and sinful places. We go all the way back to week one. We discuss how we were created to reflect the image of God. That your parents bear the image of God the same way that you do. They are not themselves God. So forgive them. We'll come back to how in a minute. The second thing, the second practical thing that we do with our parents, <clears throat> we learn to take their advice seriously. Look, that doesn't mean that you have to take their advice all the time. But you do have to take their advice Seriously, because here's the thing, they're older than you. Like biologically, that is how it has to work. They've lived more life than you. They've done good things. They've done bad things. They've made mistakes. Proverbs 1.8 tells us to listen to our father's instruction and to not reject our mother's teaching. So even if you reach the point with your parents where you disagree with them, it is your biblical imperative to listen to them and weigh their words. Um, yeah, I'll tell the story. I might get in trouble because um, Leah does listen to these. But um, after I asked Leah's dad if I could marry her, uh, <laughs> her parents responded to that by saying to Leah, you know that you don't have to say yes, right? Oh. oh. <laughs> um, and uh, that was a blow to the old ego. Um, but what Leah did in that was actually beautiful because she said, I understand your concerns, 
But I don't think that you know him the way that I do. And so, like, this is what I think is right. And this is what I believe to be the right path for me. And, and it's worked out all right. Um, you know, I think it's worked out all right. We're still together. We have some kids, whatever. It's going well. So, um, but, that, but that's, that's what, like, that's the thing. Is like, they were coming to her not because they, they hated me, not because they, not even because I, I think that I've come to things like not even that they didn't think they wanted her to marry me. Just that they wanted to make sure that she was doing the right thing. And she was able to hear their advice, to listen to their advice, and then say, I'm actually not going to take it. And they honored that. So, again, there we go. The third piece of practical advice is speak respectfully to them. Uh, Leviticus 19.3, Every one of you shall revere his mother and his father, and you shall keep my Sabbaths, for I am the Lord your God. And this kind of starts to sound like a, uh, a broken record, but as you, as you talk to your parents, consider, again, that they are human beings, that they have feelings. They have hopes and dreams for you. They long for things for you. And if you make decisions that are contrary to what they want, that can hurt them. And that's not necessarily wrong on their part. And so as you go into these conversations with them, the way that you speak to them is very important. Um, I didn't write down which one it was. Some of you who uh, are better at memorizing scripture than me can probably tell me what this is. But one of the Proverbs says that a, a gentle answer turns away wrath. That even as we're talking with our parents, when we speak to them gently and kindly, theoretically, it at least will lead to a place of, of conversation and talking through it. But look, if all you do when you talk to your parents is ask them for money, or all you do is end up yelling at each other, like, that's not revering them. That's not honoring them. That's not giving their word, uh, the words, the weight that they deserve. No, it's continually treating them uh, like an ATM, or it's constantly being angry at them for not being perfect. And what that boils down to is you're treating your parents like they're not even human. So speak honorably. The fourth thing, fourth, fourth piece, I think there's five of them, so we're almost there. The fourth thing is acknowledge the blessings and the sins of your family. Um, and I love, uh, I've used this illustration with y'all before. I will continue to do so um, because it is that good. Um, but there's, uh, it's early in one of the Harry Potter books where everybody's like freaking out over Voldemort returning and no one will say his name, right? He who must not be named. They say that over and over again. And Harry says, he who must not be named to Dumbledore. And Dumbledore stops him and says, no, you say his name because by saying his name, you remove some of his power. And doing that in your own family experience, in your family of origin, and that's why like, if you go see a counselor or you know, in our one-on-ones a lot of times, like some of the first questions that I ask you are like, where are you from? Tell me about your family. Like, that's for a reason, right? Because these things shape us. But when you can name the, the sins and the blessings of your family, you begin to understand your own story a little better. Right? That um, being able to acknowledge that the ways your family has helped you and harmed you helps you understand you. And nobody really, nothing really shows you this like getting married because when you marry somebody, what you, what, you, what you get really good at is seeing all the ways that your, your wife, in my case, that my wife's family has helped her and harmed her. 
Um, and and I, I can sit there and point out and be like, oh, they did this and they did that and all that stuff sucked. And like, this was okay, but they're terrible because this and that, whatever. And, and then when she's like, hey, you know, your family's not perfect. I'm like, shut up. How dare you? That's my, you know, like, that, that's, that's kind of how, uh, we, don't, we don't tell each other to shut up usually. Um, but, um, but that's kind of how it works, right? That we can pick that out in other people. But when, when you think about your family and the only thing you can ever think about is how perfect and wonderful and amazing everything is, you don't have a healthy perspective of your family. And when all you can think about is how uh, terrible and awful and angry they make you, most of the time, because I know that they're, they're, they're extreme cases and we know those and acknowledge those and grieve and lament those, um, but you probably don't have a healthy perspective either when all you come back with is just hatred and anger. Because what this does is it helps us reorient our lives, not with our families at the center, but with God at the center. Because it is only God who is all good. It is only God who is perfect. And the fifth piece, the fifth piece of advice is to help your parents raise you. Right? Think back to what I said was the goal of parenting a minute ago, that if you grow up, you leave home with a sense of self and a deep understanding of who you are and who God is, and you contribute to society and have a flourishing relationship with God and your fellow man. Guess what? You have some control over that. You get to make decisions that help you grow in your sense of self. You get to make decisions that help you grow in your understanding of God. For some reason, you decided to come to RUF tonight. And you're listening to someone who you maybe never met before preaching about parents. Like, it's just bizarre. It's weird, <laughs> kind of. But you made that decision. That's how you grow in your understanding of God. You find a church. You get involved with it. Right? You grow in your relationships with your friends. You make friends. You know, Judson has uh, kind of repeatedly, especially when we put him in his car seat, he has repeatedly started to get angry at me when I start to buckle his seat because he can do it all by myself. Like all by myself is like one of his new, his new things. And as much as I don't want him to grow up and as much as I do like kind of want him to be a little boy forever, um, it's actually good that he learns to do those things for his own good, but because also because it helps me. <laughs> it makes it a little bit easier for me. So help, help your parents raise you. Make good decisions. Like do things that are beneficial to those around you. So that when you make those decisions that they might disagree with, they say, hey, I might not disagree with this, but you've actually proven yourself trustworthy, so I'm going to trust you. Like, funny how that works. So last thing, how do we do this? How do we do this? Verse 1 tells us we do it in the Lord. And there's a scene in John chapter 19, which is John's account of the crucifixion, where Jesus is on the cross and he's about to die. And Mary and John are standing by the cross. And Jesus looks at John and he looks at Mary and he says, woman, behold your son. And he looks at the disciple and says, behold your mother. And I never know, knew what to do with that passage until today. And I was like, oh, that's actually kind of amazing what Jesus is doing here. Um, look, Jesus is on the cross dying for Mary's sin. That he is dying for the sins of his mother. Regardless of what the Catholic Church teaches, Mary sinned, um, she, Jesus had to die for her. Jesus, and as Jesus is on the cross, suffering the penalty of Mary's sin, Jesus looks and says, you belong to a new family. That as her sin is nailing him to the cross, he is saying, I am going to make sure you are cared for and provided for and looked out for. 
in a new family that is united around the blood of Jesus. One commentator wrote that this is the best sermon on the commandment to honor your father and mother, and Jesus preaches it from the cross. And again, I know this is hard because there is hurt and pain that exists in our lives because of our families. And deep down, we're all scared little kids who long for the perfect affection of our parents. And I think that's true of all of us in some way. But until we realize that Jesus, as the perfect son, laid aside his rights and privileges so that we could become sons and daughters of God, that we can come back to our families and love them and forgive them and do this because of what he's done for us. Because until we begin to see that our longing for the affection of our parents is never fully met until it is met deeply and intimately in Christ, we will never be able to honor our families the way that God calls us to. And a fellow campus minister um, tells a story about about his own kids. He says his kids had put together a skit to share with other students, and his son uh, was really nervous. Uh, And his dad said, his dad was trying to encourage him, like, hey, buddy, you can do this. You can overcome your fears. And his son was like, no, I can't. I'm just too freaked out by this. And his dad said, how about this? I will be a tree in the background of your play. But I'll just stand on stage as a tree. And, uh, and they did the skit, and it went really well. And a couple days later, uh, he was talking to his son, and he said, um, he said what, what makes you afraid, and what helps you be brave? And his son, uh, his son answered, you, Dad, when you stand with me, I know I'm not alone, and you help me overcome my fears. You know, that's the power that our families have in our lives. And those trees in the background, they can either uh, free us to face our fears or they can cast long and dark and scary shadows that get really hard to see beyond. But this is the great promise of the cross. That because Jesus on the cross for the first time ever called his father God, you get to call God Father. And he is the perfect father who loves us and cares for us. And see, when we begin to see our lives in this light, it changes everything else about the way that we see everyone else, including our families. So consider that an invitation. Let's pray. Lord, um, Father, our families are often a mess. Um, God, even even the best ones, uh, you, you tell us in... Uh, the Sermon on the Mount, that we, uh, we who are evil still know how to give good gifts we, to our children. Um, oh Lord, and you've exposed the, the evil that still exists in my own heart through my own kids. And, and God, I know that um, I know that's true of so many of us in here. Um, and Lord, I pray for those of us that, uh, that know you and, and believe in you and trust you, God, that you would, you would remind us of our standing in your family, regardless of what's happening with our parents or our situations at home or anything like that, regardless of any of that, that you would help us to see the goodness of your family and the way that you bring us in, Lord. And for those of us here tonight that don't know the love and embrace of your family, Lord, would we see Jesus as the one who has secured our way in. Lord, would tonight be the night that we could begin to love and to trust this. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.